Blurred Up, Blurred Up. Welcome to the show where we talk about near culture from a BPOV. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We are on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. And we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. You can find us on Blurred.com. Great website full of nerdy content from a black cultural lens. Mm-hmm. I am your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Mel. Hello. Blurred up, blurred up. It's been a long time. It has been, yeah. I haven't been here for a minute, for like a month or so. I've been busy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you've been out conferencing. Yeah, I've been globetrotting a little bit. Just got back from Fukuoka, Japan. How was that for you? It was really good. I've never been there before, and it's a really comfortable city, really laid back, I've heard good things. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff to do there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My only interaction with Fukuoka was in Shinmu for the Dreamcast. Oh, really? You play that game? Nope. Mm-mm. Not a gamer, remember? I only play like old PC stuff. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. It was like one of the first like breakthrough open world mm. games. Mm-hmm. But time is short. Yeah, sorry. I, okay. could, I could do a whole podcast on Shinmu. Oh, no. Okay. Was, was, sorry. Just for clarification, Shinmu is the game? Yes. And Fukuoka is the location of yes. the game? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Fukuoka was great, you said? It was. It was awesome. You get a chance to go to one of those like uh, onsen, like hot. Hot Not Springs. this trip. It was a short, short trip, so I didn't get a chance to do that. That's I too bad. I did walk around a couple temples, and I went to a thing called the Polyglot Conference, if you've ever heard of that. Right. It's a gathering of people who can speak multiple languages and who are dedicated to learning language and engaging with different cultures. And this is my first time going. It was an amazing experience. If you are a multilingual or an aspiring multilingual, look it up online and go if you get a chance. Yeah, you said there was, there was a increased presence of of blackness there there was this was my first time going actually so i was and i but i've been to other polyglot events and polyglot meetups and there's usually a few of us in the crowd but this time i happened to meet a couple of black people from all over the diaspora a guy from brazil another Mm -hmm. black american lady there were quite a few of us represented um both in absentia and in person which was cool that's really Mm -hmm. cool yeah yeah it was it was a really good experience if you are into languages look it up um if you are into languages and want to be around other black people who do languages, check out my friend's Facebook page, Multilingual Black American Foundation. It's got a lot of resources for language learning through a black cultural lens. Ah, that's our catchphrase, isn't it? Catchphrase. <laughs> like a bell. Ding, ding. Okay. Speaking of globetrotting, mm-hmm. today we're going to talk about that new Star Wars trailer. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this new surprisingly blackity-black Watchmen show. Yeah, oh my God. So we're going to start off with the Star Wars trailer because everyone should have seen that. It's easy to see. We're going to give our thoughts and maybe even some predictions of what will happen in the movie. And then we're going to get into the spoilers with Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So let's get started with The Rise of Skywalker, the final trailer. Mm-hmm. What, were your, what were your general thoughts about it? <sighs> Honestly? Um, okay. We would only expect... Honestly. Good, because that's what you're going to get. Um, so, now, look, original, old school, Star Wars, A New Hope is legit my favorite movie of all time. Okay, I have an unreasonable love for that movie. Not not Empire? Uh, okay, Empire, as an adult, that's the one that I like to rewatch the most. But just as far as, like, the perfect marriage of nostalgia and enjoyment, it's A New Hope. Okay. That, I love that movie. Okay. Um, to to a ridiculous amount. I mm. think I have several copies of that movie in different formats. That's how much I love it. Wow. I have the movie memorized. Okay. 
I really love Star Wars. However, I watched this trailer three times and I could not tell you what was going on in it. I was so, like, just not into it. Okay. I think it's because I was so disappointed by the previous film mm. that I'm really just kind of expecting great visuals and no real resolution or interesting bits to the story or anything really innovative. I struggled. In the words of the coolest black fictional character on screen, Morpheus, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Good. I was expecting you to spit flames at me for that. No. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Oh, my gosh. No, for me, the Force Awakens trailer led us to believe that there would be a new hope figuratively, mm-hmm. but it was just a new hope literally. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last Jedi trailer led us to believe that change was on the way, but that change was super whack. Yeah. Like It looked pretty, though. It did. But that was all. But this new trailer really feels like a Return of the Jedi rehash, and they're not even trying to hide it. Yeah, yeah. When you say it that way, I think you're probably right, yeah. Like, I'm with you. Like, I'm just bored. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. I watched the originals. Mm-hmm. Um, Empire is one of my favorite movies of all time. But I just think, have you watched the TV shows? Uh, bits of them. I haven't had a chance to really get deep into them, but it, I have watched some. Mm-hmm. They are incredible. The, yeah. the TV shows, the Clone Wars and Rebels, mm-hmm. have done such a great job of fleshing out characters and mm-hmm. arcs and worlds that these movies now just continuously feel lacking in comparison. Right. right. And I think part of it is that, so when you look back at old, the first trilogy of mm. Star Wars, the the first trilogy, chronologically speaking, not narratively speaking. Mm. <laughs> when you look back at that trilogy, what they did was really innovative. Like, you had never seen large-scale space battles on right. the big screen before. You had, it was, they took all of the old hokey tropes of the well-made play and turned it into a science fiction epic, and you right. really had never seen that before. They looked at good versus evil in, like, this kind of, I don't know, this sort of postmodern sort of fantasy world. And you right. had never really had a hit movie like that before but none of that innovation is present in the current star wars films yeah the movies really didn't grow with they didn't exactly they're not really doing anything new anymore and even okay the second trilogy chronologically speaking not narratively the second trilogy isn't good but it had a lot of potential yeah you can retell those stories a lot and it did give rise to the clone wars series and the other series what's the name of the other series Rebels. Rebels, yeah, which from what I've seen, I haven't watched them all, but from what I've seen, they're really good, and we wouldn't have had those you if it wasn't watch for that Clone second Wars trilogy. Really? If you like Star Wars, if if you love mm-hmm. Star mm-hmm. they are the best stories of the canon so mm-hmm. far to me. Interesting. They are amazing, amazing, all of them. All really? The episodes. Okay, yeah. I'll check them out. I mean, wow. But, the pro- but my point ultimately is um, that even though the second trilogy is not great, it was still trying to be innovative, and in mm. some ways it still was. I mean, you had full CGI characters on screen. You had a lot of kind of new filmmaking stuff going on, even though the narrative was lacking. Even the choreography. Exactly, know? yeah, the fight choreography, all of that. Yeah. But now this third series, I don't know what they're doing that hasn't been done before, and they're not even telling a good story to go with it. So, right, Com- I t- yeah. completely agree. And it's bad because they're doing so many things that if if we had had a um, if we had had a black stormtrooper turned protagonist 
in the first trilogy. Oh my goodness, six-year-old me would not have survived to be right now. I'd be, I would have died on the spot. Oh my gosh, right? So there's all these interesting things that they're doing, but they're just not backing it up with anything. It's just all smoke and mirrors. I completely agree. It's like for for some properties, we we lament condensing TV shows into movies because they they often lose something in the process, mm-hmm. or books into movies in the process, but. It's like Star Wars went from movies to TV shows, and because they produced the best stories in that format, it's hard to go back to this kind of basic trilogy format. Because mm-hmm. as you said, there's just, just a lot that you could get out of it, but they're just throwing right. out for the visuals right, or, exactly. or symbolism. It's a woman doing it now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's nice, but what is she actually doing, right? right. And the other thing, that's exactly, you have a really good point, because it's the basic trilogy format doesn't work. If you're going to go back to that basic trilogy, you've got to do something fresh and amazing. Right. You can't do like, you can't do like the sixth grade coloring book. I think I'm going to paint it black because it's funny kind of thing. That's not cool. Yeah. Right. It's just boring. So, yeah. I mean, even Hollywood itself has gotten out of it. Out of that, right? I mean, even Harry Potter had a part two to its story. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be a slave to this. Exactly. Yeah. So... Let's get to the to the actual trilogy and our predictions. Sorry, quickly running back. Did I say a sixth grade coloring book? Clearly, I was a blurred in sixth grade too. <laughs> who has a coloring book in sixth I grade? I didn't even think about that. Apologies, that was a horrible metaphor. I mean, we have adult coloring books now, but can't there this be something true, in between? Yeah, I guess if there are sixth grade coloring books, somebody let me know. Oh my gosh! Anyway, <laughs> did you read any of the books, the EU yeah, books? Okay, uh, the yeah, the extended universe books. Yeah. Tons of them. But none of them are canon anymore because right. of this new trilogy, which is sad. They could have adapted. They well, could have adapted. It would have been dope. And I want to get to that mm-hmm. because when I saw the trailer, I thought of two stories specifically. Okay. And I don't know if you thought of any. Did, did any of them come off the top of your head at I all? I didn't. I was so busy trying to concentrate on the actual trailer trying and get to something care. out of it. Yeah, basically, that I couldn't really make any refer- association, reference associations. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what was weird to me in that trailer? Mm. When Ray was like, everyone thinks they know me. No, we don't. No, But nobody does. It, you're right. Who are you? Yes. Really? It's like, from A New Hope, we knew who Luke was. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. out the gate. We knew who everybody was. Yeah, where I mean, everybody stood. Yeah, I mean, he was like, he, he came out the gate. I want to get the power converters to Hatchie Station. He's a dork, and but he's somehow the master of the universe. Okay, great. Sure, cool. why not? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, there's a... This is what I mean, though. If you're going to use those tropes, you got to use them well. And if you're not going to use those tropes, you got to build a new one. Right. And they didn't do either of those. She's just like, nobody knows me. We're like, yeah, why are you here? Yeah. Because I'm a woman. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's go to... So my first story is the Dark Empire story. Did you ever read that? Like dark... It's a, it's a dark horse comic from the early 90s. Refresh my memory. Is okay. that the one? Okay. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So... Dark Empire takes place six years after the Battle of Endor. Mm-hmm. There are these um, new weapons called World Devastators that oh, were introduced yeah, yeah. in the story. Mm-hmm. And some say they are worse than the Death Star. They essentially land on planets and they use strong specialized tractor beams to tear resources from the planet to fuel the ship itself or use the resources to make new ships and weapons within its molecular furnace. The tearing of the planet itself could kill the planet completely. So it didn't like blow it up, mm-hmm. but it would just tear it apart. Yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember this one. I don't think I actually read it, but I think I read because it was like a really long, a weirdly long run for a Dark Horse comic, wasn't it? 
I think I, it was yeah. it was a two or three parter. Really? Okay, but, then maybe I'm thinking something different. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's okay. The relevant part here mm-hmm. is that Palpatine mm-hmm. had been cloning himself for many years in order to attempt to rule forever. He had been transferring his mind and consciousness into new bodies. And in this story, Luke was seduced by his power and charisma and became his apprentice for a short time. Okay, I do remember this. Yes, okay. And then... So it was a graphic yeah, novel, yeah, yeah. not okay. really a book. Yeah, it wasn't a book book. Yeah, it wasn't a comic book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he used the talk, you know, being by my side is your destiny and birthright. And I feel mm-hmm. like... Because we know Palpatine's in this new yeah. movie in some capacity, he may he may be a clone, mm-hmm. and he may say the same kind of thing to Kylo. Mm-hmm. And part of the story um, from Dark Empire was Palpatine was wanting to inhabit Leia's mm-hmm. unborn child, Anakin, as his next vessel. So in this story, he might want to kind of groom Kylo and raise his level up, but also try to inhabit him mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that would be an interesting way to explain Snoke, because he's another one who we never really know anything about him. Right. Yeah, he's just sort of there. Um, grooming Kylo for what? We don't know. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like Kylo Ren is such a wasted character. Absolutely. I thought it was a stroke of genius to make the villain of this new trilogy kind of this sort of whiny, pardon me, this whiny put upon white boy. Like, I really thought that was a stroke of genius to do that. You know, somebody who's convinced that he's got to be special but maybe isn't yeah (laughs) right but maybe is but maybe isn't you know like i thought that was a stroke of genius to make him the villain but they just haven't really done anything with him and something like that would really be good yeah Mm -hmm. and you remember from return of the jedi Mm -hmm. when vader threw palpatine to the to that like down down the down the hole Mm -hmm. to kill him Mm -hmm. there's a big energy blast yeah and so i wonder if they may retcon that to say that was his consciousness or spirit, like leaving his body to mm, go to a new to another clone, yeah, body yeah, okay. That's a great theory, but I'm gonna say this probably more than once in this podcast. I'm sure that's a better idea than what they've actually got. <laughs> like it always, seriously, the amount of like amazing fan theories about the Star Wars, the most recent Star Wars movies, compared to what we actually get, we're putting way more effort into this than the screenwriters did. I promise you. That is a good point. <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> That's true. Okay. This leads to my second EU story mm-hmm. that I think could be adapted in some way into the story. And that is the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin Anderson. Yes. Okay. That one I know. Yes. And that cool, would be cool. dope. But so, they're not going to do it. I Just again, it'd be nice. But hear me I out. Okay, hear me okay, out. okay. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. I think, I think it, this could happen. Okay. So for those who don't know, mm-hmm. Jedi Academy, I believe it takes place, I want to say seven or eight years after yeah, Endor. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I want to say seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke looks for new students to rebuild the Jedi Academy on Yavin 4, mm-hmm. where they first had their first fight against the Death Star. Mm-hmm. He finds a student called Kip Duran, or Han Solo brings Kip Duran to him. Mm-hmm. And he has incredible force sensitivity. He doesn't come from Force-sensitive parents, but his potential appears to be on the level of the greatest of Jedi Masters, just like... Kyle, uh, what's Rey. your name? Ray. Sorry, yes. I almost said Kylo Ren again. Sorry, Ray. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kip gets corrupted by the spirit of one of the greatest Sith Lords in history named Exar Kun, who created the infamous double-edged lightsaber. Okay. Which I predicted in, my, in the show last year mm-hmm. that Ray was going to wield in this movie 
And right. in the and trailer, it, looks it like shows she that does. she is. Yeah, okay. You know, actually, you might be onto something here. Your boy good, man. Again, again, though, um, I, I think you're putting a lot more work into this than the... I mean, we should have written the movie, but keep going. But anyway, Exar Kun wanted to change Luke's pupils into his own force-wielding army. In the new trailer, Palpatine's quote, they're coming together will be their undoing. And so maybe he wants the Knights of Ren to mm-hmm. join whoever Rey gathers mm-hmm. to become his own personal force army and reclaim the galaxy in that way. Maybe he's mm-hmm. abandoning the rule of two and just yeah. wants his own kind of army now. True. But I, it seems like he was going to abandon the rule of two no matter what. But well, he was, you know, he was training mm-hmm. different people. He was training Mara Jade, mm-hmm. Luke's wife, on mm-hmm. the side. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah. True, true, true. true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even Vader was training folks, too, right? Yeah, exactly. The story of a Sith seducing one of Luke's most prized students has already played out mm-hmm. between episodes six and seven with Kylo and Snoke. So right. I don't think they're going to really lean into that kind of seduction, but trying to get him to work under, getting Kylo to work under him, bring Ray to me, and then, mm-hmm. then we'll, we'll all just kind of... Mm. Take it over. Yeah, I it's an think idea. yeah, it's a good idea. But um, okay, it would work. But they would need excellent writers to pull it off and to pull it out of where the last film ended. Right. And they haven't set up any of that really. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't set up anything. So yeah, exactly. So it could it could go anywhere, and I hope it goes in a good direction. I I don't have I don't have a lot of faith. The force is not strong within me, but. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go see it, of course. Yeah, of course, but, Star Wars. Yeah, I just don't have... And, you know, part of it is that, you know, Star Wars is ultimately, I guess, at this point meant to be a kid's film, which is fine. But that doesn't mean it has to be a bad film, and I think people forget that. Yeah, people kind of just dismiss it. It's just a movie about wizards and laser swords. Mm-hmm. What do you expect? Yeah. I'm like, you know, it. I mean, I got mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, so mm-hmm. yeah. I expect greatness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I just want to, just really quick, I mentioned the the world devastators in the previous story. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we have to kind of up the ante for these for these movies, not just a Sith threat, but an external, like, weaponized threat. Mm-hmm. And so in Jedi Academy, the weapon was the Sun Crusher, which used special missiles that went into the heart or the core of stars and make them explode, mm-hmm. destroying whole solar systems. I mean, it was it was a mm-hmm. brutal weapon. And it was right. indestructible. It was like a tight, it was... Like, as small as an X-Wing. Yeah, I remember. It was, like, indestructible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did they actually defeat that, though? I forgot that part. I think they blew it up from the inside. Yeah. Like... Oh, yeah. Like, Kip Mm -hmm. Duran became a good guy again, and then, Yeah, and then he, like, did... Yeah. He basically rogue-wunded it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was cool was they actually... For storage, they just forced push it into the heart of a star, Mm -hmm. and then they... Then when he became dark, he pulled it out with the help of... Yeah. The Sith Lord. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's all a possibility. However, let's be real. Given the trailer that we saw, mm-hmm. um, these are great ideas, but I don't think that's where it's going. I think we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. I think what we should be expecting is a lot of NARM, a serviceable story, because this is really the end of an era. It's the end of a... Uh, George Lucas always said in the beginning he wanted to do nine movies. This is the ninth movie, and we made it. Um, so there, it's going to be decent, I think. But we're going to get a lot of NARM, a lot of C-3PO. I'm looking at all of my friends, a lot of that. Oh, that was... Oh, okay. Man. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I I know that hit some people, but it. I was just kind of... Yeah, I just feel like they're just... 
it feels cynical at this point. It does. They're just kind of doing what's going to get kids to buy butts and seats. Yeah, get butts and seats and get kids to buy Happy Meal toys. Really. Yeah. Um, it's it's just blatant motion. Like the stakes aren't high enough or as well or well developed enough for it to really be uh, impactful. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, in is it the Empire? Yes, in the Empire Strikes Back, that bit where C three PO like walks into somewhere in Cloud City and gets his arms pulled off, and he's just like a body strapped to Chewie's back. That was devastating to me. Part yeah. of it because I was a little kid at the time, but even now as an adult, I'm like, oh god, they took his arms and his legs. Yeah. I'm just upset because the stakes are high. You care about these characters, even though they are ridiculous. Um, a giant Wookie, what is a Wookie, and a a robot with a British accent in a universe where there's no British people anymore. Um, but there, yeah. there, there was Obi-Wan. Yeah, well, yeah, but where's Britain at this point in time, really? I mean, why do why do some people have British accents and why do some people have an I American mean, accent? Why do they speak English, period? Why does nobody have a Nigerian accent? Why don't black women exist in space yet? Oh, hey, oh, oh we're, we're oh. getting there. Okay, yes, good. Let's get there. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. get there. So let's talk about my man Finn with his, like, twisties in his hair now. Oh, yeah. So... Are they going to give him an actual story, or is he just going to be chasing around a woman again? Well, the previous trailer had a black woman in the trailer, True. and so I'm so I'm wondering now, like he's we haven't seen black hair stylized in this mm-hmm. in this universe until a black woman showed up because mm-hmm. Lando was all you know mm-hmm. Landoy, mm-hmm. and Finn, you know. Oh yeah, Lando's back, and that's exciting. Maybe I hope so. I mean, I want to be excited, but it, again, I'm I'm sure it's going to be it some just, ridiculous. Everything norm. just feels cynical to it me. It does, now. yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just get more. Of these old folks in the seats. Oh, they remember that that mm-hmm. cool black guy. Let's yeah, have exactly. Them and their kids will be sad. Hey, yeah, exactly. And then, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And their kids will be sad because the robot dies. Whatever. Yeah. Bah. Um, I want to talk about some of the imagery in the trailer mm-hmm. with Ray and Kylo. I feel like when they were fighting, mm-hmm. a lot of the, those scenes were dreams mm-hmm. or dreamlike constructs of mm-hmm. them either dreaming alone. Or being yeah. connected like they were yeah. in the last Jedi, doing the the force led the force powered Skype calls. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. force Skype. Yeah, <laughs> that was such a weird construct. I don't think that was as appealing as the director intended it to be, because when like the first time it happens, there's that whole bit where you know like Kylo Ren. There's there. I think he's, he's like trying topless. to yeah. They're trying to set up some sort of like romantic sexual tension between the two of them. But the fact that that dude was built like a refrigerator with a Q-tip head did not make that as appealing as I think they wanted it to be. The whole time I'm just like, what? What? Why what was this director choice? What was this director? Exactly. What you... was this choice? Just let him wear his clothes and say yeah. something interesting. Why is he so oily? It'd be like. Does cocoa butter exist in space? It'd be like you're like um like a a sex chat. And he has a great voice, right? Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> and you're like, you know what? I want to meet this guy in person. Hey, what? when you get off work? I get off in an hour. Come by. And you, you show up, and you're like, oh, wow, that yeah. does not match. Brenton, is your grandma still listening to this podcast? No. Yeah, not this one. <laughs> well, I didn't say any bad words. This is true. Not yet. I kept okay, keeping it cool. Okay, okay, good. But yeah, I just... In the trailer, I felt like they were going through like a greatest hits of mm. places from the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. The, the Emperor's throne room was clear to see. They were kind of yeah. just standing in there. And is it possible for that to happen because the Death Star exploded? Right. So like, how could it just randomly fall to Endor intact? Right. right. Is there anything else you want to say before we move on? Not really. I mean, I have very low expectations. I'm hoping that I will go into this movie and then when we blurt up this, this retrospectively, I'll 
be talking about how awesome it was. But I don't think that's going to happen. And it makes me sad because I still love Star Wars. Yeah. I'm still going to love Star Wars. I'm just not going to ever purchase these particular films. I'm just excited for you to actually finally watch those shows Mm -hmm. and just fall in love with new stories and new characters. I've watched part of... uh, what. not Rebels, the other one. Clone Wars. Clone Wars, sorry. Really? Yeah, I've watch watched part all. of Clone Wars, but I have, I've never had time to sit and watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Just the way that Anakin and Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. their banter, like they're actually like yeah. brothers. Yeah, it's I mean, so it, basically awesome. it's what the, the second trilogy should have been. Yes. And I think, so from what I saw, like it's definitely, I think we have that second trilogy to thank for these shows, which I, which is why I'm not like Burn the Witch. But for these final three, I'm just like, there is no... What's the what's this new one called? The, there is no Rise of Skywalker, only Zul. I can't do it. So, like, we're just not doing it. It's just, you know, the other trilogies had kind of a overseer kind of sort of like mm-hmm. I want how I want this to be done. Mm-hmm. Whereas we've had two different directors, right? You know, Ryan Johnson was kind of like, "Fuck this, I'm just gonna do my own thing." Right. So yeah, as you said, like they didn't mm-hmm. set up anything. So they I just didn't. I just have no expectations for this movie. Me neither. And I also think that the fact that they are going it's going to make a moon's worth of money no matter what. Sure. So I think that also impedes the quality control of it. So if you mm-hmm. look at the first trilogy, George Lucas and like the way that those were made, if you watch any of those documentaries or read any read any of those books. Yeah. Um George Lucas had a lot of really stupid ideas, but the fact that he had people from the studio around him, like, maybe you don't want to do that. Rethink this, rewrite it, make it better for the story. He had that, and that was why those movies were so good. Um, The fact that the first two movies made so much money is why the third one is kind of like, Ewoks, for real? Um, But that's because at that point they were making money, so the reins were loosened a little bit. But if there were still if there was still that nervousness, like is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Let's have ten people. Let's let's draft this a lot and really work out the kinks. But that doesn't exist anymore for this franchise. So because it just prints money. Exactly. No matter what. I mean, like I said, I'm going to see it. I'm ninety nine percent sure it'll be terrible and I'll be disappointed. But I'm still going to spend my money on it. So I'm part of the problem, really. It's so sad that we're at this point with Star Wars. It is. But yeah, I I completely agree. Then he got totally free reign for the the trilogy, and then out came the Metaclorians. <sighs> but it's interesting, Empire wasn't even directed by him, right? So like, no, right, exactly. your best movie is not even directed by by the creator. So exactly, that's, that's or a bit. really even written by him because the drafting. Right. Yeah. True. Well, okay. Let us know what you think of the new Star Wars trailer. Do you think my predictions or my theories are crazy? They probably are, but who knows? Let us know. Yeah. Somewhere Ryan Johnson's listening to this and he's like, crap, can we recut it? Can we, we can recut it. <laughs> Have you seen the, the recut of Last Jedi? No, I haven't. There's a there's a re there's a re-edit. It's called The Fallen Knight. Mm. And they cut out that casino canto bite stuff. Ah, oh, that's a good move. And they cut out some other stuff. And of course, because it's not the original, mm-hmm. uh the original movie, there are some things that kind of don't make sense if something's aren't there. Mm-hmm. But it actually makes it for a better experience for me. Mm. I actually rewatched it um, maybe a year after The Last Jedi came out, and mm. I actually enjoyed the movie a little better. Oh, interesting. I'll have to look that up. I didn't know it existed, but if it takes out the casino scenes, then hey, I'm there. Uh, that was just... Let's take yeah. the only people of color and send them on a random stupid mission to save space horses. So that our nice white space liberals can do all the real fighting. Boo hiss. Uh, let's make 
the black character a coward again. And an idiot. An idiot and a coward again. And some, always some have woman, him chasing some woman yeah. constantly. Well, no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. No, the woman was chasing him. Remember, Ray was kind of mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you're from the resistance. That's so cool." Oh, it's like, oh right. yeah, yeah, it's me. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, I'm a coward. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're you're Finn. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm this Asian lady who's like pawning after you. Yeah, it's me. Oh wait, you're a coward. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, like. And again, uh, just the existence, just the presence of these actors in this franchise, just a waste. Just such a waste. Such a waste. It's so just so sad because they should have been awesome, and I would be mad if I was them because this is an amazing opportunity and it was used on BS. You know, old girl like quit her social media over this because yeah. cats, you know, it's like, yeah, ah. exactly. And it's sad that we feel like this because honestly, the backlash this has received for completely unrelated reasons right. because they have a black lead and an Asian lead because they have women doing stuff that are that doesn't involve kitchens or wearing a gold bikini is just ridiculous. I mean, they've it's gotten so much backlash for stupid reasons that it's sad that it also gets backlash for negative reasons too. I'm a big fan of the idea that we are entitled to mediocrity as well as excellence. However, I feel like if it's Star Wars and you're doing these new things to make it more legit for all of the fans who didn't feel represented in the first trilogy, um, or in the second trilogy even, You've got to make it excellent. You can't yes. pander to us, and that makes me upset. Yeah. Because they pandered absolutely. and didn't tell us a good story with all of these innovative things that they did. I don't think I'll ever forgive them for making me believe that Finn was going to be a Jedi. I don't, I don't think I can ever let that go. Mm. Ever. Right. I was pissed. I'm sure. I was just annoyed with how nothing his character is. There's really nothing to him. He comes from nowhere. He's going nowhere. He's just kind of... He's comic relief without being funny. Yeah. Okay. We're at, getting way into at Star least Wars Han Solo here. was mm-hmm. like a general by like Empire Strikes Back. Right. Exactly. You know, it's exactly. Like, what is Finn? Exactly. He's just a dude there. Exactly. Where's Ray? Right. Like and what is Poe? Whoever. Whoever. To be fair though, this is part of why I liked Rogue One so much yeah, though, is because I think that it did it right. Yes. It pulled a very diverse cast and a very diverse story, and told us a story that we kind of already knew. But it was the it's the only Star Wars film so far, in my opinion, that's done diversity right. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Let's let's flip the track. Let's go yeah. on to Watchmen. Which I think we will have a complete opposite thing to say. Oh. Uh, uh, yes. Than, than from Star Wars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Y'all, we'll be very brief. <laughs> this first episode was awesome. Amazing. I was expecting it to be lame. I I'm a, I don't feel about Watchmen the same way I feel about Star Wars, mm-hmm. but I loved that book, and I was annoyed with the film because they tried to do a frame by frame recreation, then they totally changed the ending, um, and it just wasn't really well done in a lot of ways. So I wasn't expecting a lot, but this this hour of TV really blew my hair back. I watched I, the movie yeah. before I, I read the book, so I actually kind of liked the movie mm-hmm. more than the book. Mm-hmm. But watching again, I I realized that yeah, it's kind of slow and I'm I'm bored. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, this looks different. I mm-hmm. wasn't I didn't expect anything to be bad, but I was very curious. Mm-hmm. And this did not disappoint. It not exceeded all. all expectations. It really did. From the first thirty seconds, you are sucked into this. And this is exactly what the comic, what the book did, the graphic novel did. It sucks you into this bizarro America and makes it seem completely real. And even though things are not what you're expecting, it they're all they all seem legit. You're really immersed in this world. Yes. And that's what this TV show does. From the first 30 seconds, you are just in it. Like you are living in this place with these people for the hour. Okay. I'm I'm okay. 
general general stuff's out. All right. Okay. Yeah. Go spoiler, watch this. Spoiler, yeah. Go mm-hmm. watch this if you haven't seen it. If you don't care, hang around. We're gonna yeah. dig into it. But definitely watch it. I. It's been a minute since I saw a TV show where I'm like, I I am so excited for the next episode. But yeah. I'm so excited for the next episode. Yeah. I almost want to just wait and binge it, but I don't want that to get spoiled for me. So mm-hmm. I I will be there every. Every every premiere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Spoilers. Here we go. Three. Two. One. Okay. The opening 10 minutes. Yes. Have you ever listened to Lupe Fiasco's mural? Yeah. Or mural mm-hmm. junior? Mm-hmm. You know, for those who don't know, Lupe Fiasco, he, he starts rapping, just kind of just kind of freestyling about just something happening. And with, with such amazing imagery and true to the title, it widens out into this beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt about this opening. It wasn't all that beautiful, but yes, it was definitely compelling. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, my eyes were wide for like 10 minutes. Like yeah. I could not take my eyes away. Right. And I think maybe you and I maybe feel similarly about this, where it's kind of the whole black oppression narratives, black struggle narratives, black pain narratives are difficult to watch at this point in time. Yeah. We had so many of them and there's mm. not a lot of redemption arcs with them. So it can be a little tiresome to just sort of watch uh, pain and murder and death and oppression over and over and over again. Yeah. But the way that they... So the 1921 Tulsa... Bombings. Uh, yeah, Tulsa bombings, Tulsa massacre, really. Sure. Uh, I don't think it was bombing. Well, I don't know. Yeah, It was included, mm-hmm. it was, but Yeah, it was a lot of... It's, it's got massacre. a lot of different Massacre's names. Fine, yeah, massacres, sure. but it was. It was a real thing that happened. Right. I've never seen it depicted on film or in any art before. And the fact that they just went with it so baldly and so nakedly and so... Uh, unflinchingly was incredible for me. Like it was just compelling to watch because it wasn't done with an eye to exploitation. It wasn't done with like that over, like nobody like ran out in the middle and started singing a spiritual, oh Lord, my brother. Nobody did that. It was just showing that these people were just minding their business and terrorists came. Yeah. And just the way that it was portrayed was just amazing. I just just before we got there, the black and white film mm-hmm. about uh, Bass Reeves, Bass Reeves, Bass Reeves, Bass Reeves. Bass Reeves. For those who don't know, and apparently there's a there's a funny article from Atlanta Black Star about there's so many white folks googling Bass Reeves and mm-hmm. the Tulsa 1921 because they didn't had they didn't know about it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will watch that and think it, there's no way it could be real, but this is a real part of our history, and yeah. you should know. But yeah, Bass Reeves is a real-life figure. Mm-hmm. He was the first black deputy U.S. Marshal west of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. He is credited with 3,000 arrests and killed 14 people in self-defense. Apparently, after his slave master took him with him to the, uh, into the Confederate Army, Bass beat his ass and became a fugitive s- slave among Native Americans. Like, dude is a badass. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing him in rap lyrics next year. <laughs> right. But yeah, you know, you're watching this violent film and you don't even know that this black hooded figure was black. He stops in front of an all-white church and the congregation comes out and he reveals who he is and you're thinking, oh, fuck, he's he's dead. Uh-huh. But this little boy is excited for this black dude with this amazing Yosemite Sam mustache mm-hmm. and everyone cheers mm-hmm. and then you cut to this empty theater and then it's like this black boy is sitting there memorizing the lines and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. what is this? Yeah, it's the first black superhero movie. That was that was 1921 Black Panther. Yes. Yeah. And then you have this black woman 
playing piano, and then you see that she's crying. Why is she crying? Mm-hmm. And then you hear the booms from outside, mm-hmm. and then the show just keeps pulling back, and then the figure enters with a gun. You're like, oh, shoot, what's, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Then he gives it to his, I guess, assumed wife, and mm-hmm. she's like, let's mm-hmm. do this. And then they take the boy out into this madness, and that's, yes. and that's where you were at. Yes. Ah. And the whole time you're watching it, because you know this is Watchmen, and even though this is a real piece of history, it's part of this alternate America, like kind of this this, this speculative, speculative fiction piece. The whole time I'm waiting, I'm like, where's our black superhero? Is, is Bass Reeves coming? Like, what's happening here? And he never comes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really something. It, Like I said, I'm tired of seeing black pain and black oppression being exploited on film, but... I didn't feel like this was exploitative. I no. felt like this was a finger pointed. Yeah. And I dug it. Seeing the parents lie to their kid, mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then they then he sees them pre- presumably get blown up. Mm-hmm. How did that baby survive after whatever happened to it, like kind of getting out that? Mm-hmm. How did he survive? I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that was kind of yeah. weird, but whatever. Well, my other question is who is that baby now? I'm pretty sure I know who that little boy is, but who is that baby now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The boy, yes. yes. I know you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure I know who that little boy is, but I'm with who is you. that baby? I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, then the transition mm-hmm. from the boy walking down the street to a car going down the street mm-hmm. in today's time, listen to Trap, and you're like, yeah. oh, this is obviously a black person now. Yeah. But and it's like, no, yes. it's a white dude. Yes. We get stopped by a black cop. Just the stuff that they do with oh, this. Oh, and it's funny because it's fuck. such a good Sorry, go homage on. to the way that the um, that the comic book worked, where you'd have somebody saying something in one frame, but the frame would be like you'd see a picture that was the end of one thread of the story. Yeah, but the text would be part of the next part that you're transitioning to. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did all through this pilot. This, this pilot. It's not a pilot, I guess, first episode. All through this first episode, and it was really well done. The transitions were so seamless. Like, you yeah. really are just in the world. You're just constantly watching to see what's coming next. I like the one where it was, it was like, nighttime with, like, stars, mm-hmm. and then it changed into, like, asphalt, mm-hmm. like, per- like, seamlessly. Yeah, just sort of slowly just- panned and revolved, and then it was, gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous The cinematography is yes. really well done. Yeah. So, yeah, the cop, he retreats to his car. Mm-hmm. And where we get our first bit of world building there, the cops mm-hmm. must ask to get permission to use their guns. Yep. And they all wear masks. So the right. guy asks if he can see the cop's face. And right. it's like all this aggro. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know, what a difference that could be in real life to be able to, like, cops have to ask to mm. get their guns removed. And I think this was done with such a keen eye on current events and yeah. what America's really like, especially since they're doing an alternate America. Do you know, so one of my many side hustles is I write science fiction. And I always, I used to go to this writing group and get into these beefs with this guy all the time at the group because he would say, I think it's really cynical that you think that racism would still exist in the future or that you think that racism would still exist in an alternate, in an alternate history. But people are still people. Right. And America is still founded on certain principles so even if the timeline diverges in 1970 or 1950 or whenever the official timeline divergence is in Watchmen those racist principles that the society is founded on are still existing of course so I think they did a really good job of taking that to a logical conclusion without overdoing it or making it seem unrealistic because this is alternate America but it feels like one you could be living in absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. a tangible reality very yeah. 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 
Rorschach. It was really something, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the Rorschach guys are now white supremacists. Now, that is going to pinch some folks who are fans of the book where it hurts. They really are. Because here's the thing. I don't necessarily think they're calling Rorschach a racist because the Rorschach of the comics and of the film as well um, was just had that sort of peculiar sort of cultural self-absorption that some people have where he's got these manifestos and his he didn't like anybody. Right. And it manifested in a certain way. But those kinds of manifestos are very easy to pick up on by certain elements of society and they do a really good that's exactly where this whole Rorschach thing would have gone it's exactly where a lot of stuff has gone in reality it's like the like Joker yeah, Joker exactly. doesn't care about anybody it isn't like he's like mm-hmm. targets women or mm-hmm. black folks mm-hmm. colored folk but yeah but I mean even in if you look there's so many things in history that didn't have anything to do with white supremacy but were adopted by those elements mm. um, and it still happens now I like what is that the whole Pepe Frog thing? I don't really know right. a whole lot about white supremacists. Right, I right, curate right. my my internet experience well, so I don't have to deal with idiots. Sure, but that whole Pepe Frog apparently that was created by a children's author, and now it's like some white supremacist symbol. You know that kind of thing. Right. I don't think they're calling Rorschach uh, a racist, but I think that people are going to feel pinched because a lot of people looked at the character of Rorschach and it justified those feelings within them. Yeah, completely. So, yeah. Oh, this was so good, guys. I Seriously, go watch it. Go watch it. We don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but it's so, so good. Yes, that's more time. I'm, mm-hmm. I want to go deeper, you know, as we are. This is so blackly black. I really it enjoyed is. the different shades of blackness here. Mm. So, we, so we were talking about earlier the, the Oklahoma scene where you have mm-hmm. black people singing in musicals, which mm-hmm. is something that me growing up, it wasn't. I can't remember a single black person at my St. Louis Muni in Forest Park, I can't remember a single black person singing in the musicals there. I saw really? Pan, I saw, I think I saw Oklahoma. And, wow. you know, was it Meet Me in St. Louis? And you can name mm-hmm. probably all the classics. I probably went there every summer, all the su- summers to see something. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember black faces. Right. Well, you know, there's always been like black musicals and white musicals. I mean, Lion King, yeah. I saw, obviously. Yeah, Lion of King's course. Different, yeah, but I mean, Prior to, I mean, I guess prior to maybe like 1985 or something, mm-hmm. there were definitely black musicals and white musicals. The Wiz and Pearly sure, and Dream sure. Girls were black musicals. Sure. And, you know, Oklahoma and uh, La Caja Falls and all of the Birdcage and all of those were white musicals. And I think there was that distinction for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a newer convention to have colorblind casting. It's still not that new, but it's newer, I guess. Um, I was telling you before we started recording about the time I saw Oklahoma in Birmingham and not Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham, UK. And there was a cast of British people who could not do American accents to save their lives. Uh, And there was one black woman in the cast and she was just one of the background players. She didn't have a major role, but she spent the whole production looking like she really didn't want to be there. She was just like, I, my parents are from Jamaica, and this is what I'm doing for a living. What's going... I mean, she just looked so unhappy at being in the cast. And there wasn't anything weird about it, necessarily. She just was so out of place, because Oklahoma is a, is a severely white show. And that's not a negative. It just is. Um, and just having... when Like, the new Broadway revival... The new Broadway revival of it is actually... They've made... One of the family, one of the main families involved in the conf- the central conflict is black. So now it's one of the uh, so one of the main families involved in the central conflict is black. Mm-hmm. So now there is uh, kind of a racial element to the show that wasn't there before. So when they're singing, people will say we're in love. It's got a different sort of flavor to it, that kind of thing. Um, the woman's family is black, uh, but. 
Uh, yeah, hopefully they don't sing that. But um, but either way, um, just just seeing one black person, one lonely black person, kind of kicking up her heels and yeehawing and oh, what a beautiful morning uh, in Oklahoma was a severely strange experience in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, it's a great show. I love the show. And when I say that things are severely white, it's not a dig at whiteness. It just mm. is. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but it was, but it's, it's it was interesting to have an all black Oklahoma, or mostly black Oklahoma, yeah. um, as one of the centerpieces of this show, and for them to make because this takes place. That's another thing. So all so these shows always take place in New York or uh, L.A. or you know different um, like major cities. You know you'll see something in, in Hong Kong or Seoul or Tokyo or something city. like that. Big city, and this takes place in Tulsa, right? Which is kind of cool, actually. Well, at least the first episode does. It's true. It might change from here. Before we head out, because we were actually really short on time. Yeah, we are. You got to talk about how badass Regina King was. Yes. Oh, Lord. Whoa. I want to see uh, Regina King and Michonne team up. Okay. Interesting. Crossover. Interesting. I like how, um, well, one of the striking vipers, Black Manta, Yahia Abdul-Mateen II, or whatever his yes. name actually is, um, He, I love how he's in there and he's not... I like how you're starting to see black men play against type because yes. he's just completely normal. He's just like a, just the husband. Yeah, he's just, the yeah kids. exactly. He's he's a stay-at-home dad or something yeah. like that. So I like that. So he's playing against type. He's a good presence in there. I really hope they explain why all their kids are white in future episodes. I mean, all their kids are white and then they have Blanket Jackson. I don't understand. It's confusing. I wonder I wonder if her cover is taking care of these kids because mm. like, maybe the, the chief doesn't want to make that public or something i don't know i could be wrong i, I don't know i mean but yeah this is part whole, of the mystery yeah if you go on the website for this show there's a whole manifesto that they have like a whole fbi file thing that that like that's been made up for mm-hmm. this that kind of explains all of the steps away from reality sure. that this this universe has taken uh which is really interesting so you notice they they refer to president redford a lot yes that is robert redford and apparently he plays himself in this show which oh, is wow. going to be dope um so yeah so he but he's been president for like 30 years in this universe Reagan never became president. Nixon abolishes term limits, and Robert Redford's been president for generations. Wow. Um, so there's. A, I'm wondering if it has, but I'm wondering if if the fact that none of their children are black has something to do with something in society that mm. is related to a step away from. I mean, there's nothing saying black people can't adopt white kids. Sure. It's just a strange visual choice right. without any explanation You're at right. first. Yeah. And like I said, they're all black, and then they have that one kid who she went to his school that who was apparently blank at Jackson. I don't know. Was it, what, was she? No, Blanket Jackson's too old, but he looks a lot oh, like Blanket okay. Jackson. <laughs> I'm tripping. I'm, I'm tired. I woke up at like four o'clock. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Regina King. Uh, I just. She was amazing. Such a. Oh, she's so awesome. And she really plays the role to the hilt. It yeah. smells. It smells like bleach. Yeah. I mean, Great just that. Lines. There's a bit towards the end where she has to go leave the house real quick, and she, without missing a beat, lays back on the bed, and you think she's gonna have like a. Uh, uh, emotional woman moment and I'm just thinking oh don't take it there and she just leans back and flips yeah exactly she flips the headboard of the bed there's a gun hidden up under there she jumps back up she's given her her husband instructions and she's out on the road I love how she gave him the small gun he's like I'm taking the big boy with me right 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 yeah it was just she just really played this role to the hilt it's really well written incredible her look is iconic yes yes Mm mm-hmm there's I mean, going to be a whole lot of her out on out on the roads for Halloween, I hope. I hope, yeah. Cosplay opportunities galore. You got her and you got uh, the Dora Mirage now, mm, the Black mm, Panther. Like, these right, are just right. iconic 
black yeah. female costumes totally now. yeah yeah it, and i'm so glad that the i'm just glad it's lived up to the hype i love how she she's like even though there's a chief she's like talking shit to this dude Mm-hmm. And then when she, you know, took out that that white supremacist, oh, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm sorry, man. We had you all messed up. And then she yes. just fucked him up, and you don't know what happened. Right? It's like exactly. Blood and yeah. Piss and... She's just, where is he? Yeah. Amazing. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. All right, we're like getting kicked out here. So yeah, we got to. I really got to wrap this up, guys. Mm-hmm. Go see this episode. Let us know what you think about it. Yeah. This concludes this episode of Blurred Up. Remember, mm-hmm. we are on Facebook at B L E R. D-U-P. We're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D-P-R-U-P. We're on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. We're also on Blurred.com. Don't forget to check us out. Give us a review on your favorite podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Help us out. Support us. And we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace, y'all. <laughs>